Jesus had flesh. LifeSpring Family Audio Bible, and coming to you from Riverside, California, podcasting since 2004, I'm your OG Godcaster, Steve Webb. This is the daily podcast where we're reading through the entire Bible in a year. Welcome. I'm so happy you've joined me. Make yourself at home. Today, we're going to get right to it. Our reading today is Luke 3 and 4, and I'm calling the episode, How to Resist Temptation. The show notes page for today's episode is lifespringmedia.com slash s12e138. If you'd like to leave a comment, that's where to do it. Let's get started. Luke chapter 3. It was now the fifteenth year of the reign of Tiberius, the Roman emperor. Pontius Pilate was governor over Judea. Herod Antipas was governor over Galilee. His brother Philip was ruler over Iturea and Trachonitis. Lysanias was ruler over Abilene. Annas and Caiaphas were the high priests. At this time, a message from God came to John, son of Zechariah, who was living in the wilderness. Then John went from place to place on both sides of the Jordan River, preaching that people should be baptized to show that they had repented of their sins and turned to God to be forgiven. Isaiah had spoken of John when he said, He is a voice shouting in the wilderness, Prepare the way for the Lord's coming. Clear the road for him. The valleys will be filled and the mountains and hills made level. The curves will be straightened and the rough places made smooth. And then all the people will see the salvation sent from God. When the crowds came to John for baptism, he said, You brood of snakes, who warned you to flee God's coming wrath? Prove by the way you live that you have repented of your sins and turned to God. Don't just say to each other, We're safe, for we are descendants of Abraham. That means nothing, for I tell you, God can create children of Abraham from these very stones. Even now the axe of God's judgment is poised ready to sever the roots of the trees. Yes, every tree that does not produce good fruit will be chopped down and thrown into the fire. The crowds asked, What should we do? John replied, If you have two shirts, give one to the poor. If you have food, share it with those who are hungry. Even corrupt tax collectors came to be baptized and asked, Teacher, what should we do? He replied, Collect no more taxes than the government requires. What should we do? asked some soldiers. John replied, Don't extort money or make false accusations, and be content with your pay. Everyone was expecting the Messiah to come soon, and they were eager to know whether John might be the Messiah. John answered their questions by saying, I baptize you with water, but someone is coming soon who is greater than I am so much greater that I am not even worthy to be his slave and untie the straps of his sandals. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire. He is ready to separate the chaff from the wheat with his winnowing fork. Then he will clean up the threshing area, gathering the wheat into his barn, but burning the chaff with never-ending fire. John used many such warnings as he announced the good news to the people. John also publicly criticized Herod Antipas, the ruler of Galilee for marrying Herodias, his brother's wife, and for many other wrongs he had done. So Herod put John in prison, adding this sin to his many others. One day, when the crowds were being baptized, Jesus himself was baptized. As he was praying, the heavens opened, and the Holy Spirit, in bodily form, descended on him like a dove. And a voice from heaven said, 
You are my dearly loved son, and you bring me great joy. Jesus was about 30 years old when he began his public ministry. Jesus was known as the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Heli. Heli was the son of Mathat. Mathat was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Melchi. Melchi was the son of Janai. Janai was the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Mattathias. Mattathias was the son of Amos. Amos was the son of Nahum. Nahum was the son of Eslai. Eslai was the son of Nagai. Nagai was the son of Maath. Maath was the son of Mattathias. Mattathias was the son of Simeon. Simeon was the son of Josek. Josek was the son of Jodah. Jodah was the son of Joanan. Joanan was the son of Resa. Resa was the son of Zerubbabel. Zerubbabel was the son of Shealtiel. Shealtiel was the son of Neri. Neri was the son of Melchi. Melchi was the son of Adai. Adai was the son of Kosum. Kosum was the son of Elmadam. Elmadam was the son of Ur. Ur was the son of Joshua. Joshua was the son of Eliezer. Eliezer was the son of Joram. Joram was the son of Mathat. Mathat was the son of Levi. Levi was the son of Simeon. Simeon was the son of Judah. Judah was the son of Joseph. Joseph was the son of Jonam. Jonam was the son of Eliakim. Eliakim was the son of Melia. Melia was the son of Mena. Mena was the son of Mattatha. Mattatha was the son of Nathan. Nathan was the son of David. David was the son of Jesse. Jesse was the son of Obed. Obed was the son of Boaz. Boaz was the son of Salmon. Salmon was the son of Noshan. Noshan was the son of Aminadab. Aminadab was the son of Admin. Admin was the son of Arnai. Arnai was the son of Hezron. Hezron was the son of Perez. Perez was the son of Judah. Judah was the son of Jacob. Jacob was the son of Isaac. Isaac was the son of Abraham. Abraham was the son of Terah. Terah was the son of Nahor. Nahor was the son of Sirug. Sirug was the son of Reu. Reu was the son of Peleg. Peleg was the son of Eber. Eber was the son of Shelah. Shelah was the son of Canaan. Canaan was the son of Arphaxad. Arphaxad was the son of Shem. Shem was the son of Noah. Noah was the son of Lamech. Lamech was the son of Methuselah. Methuselah was the son of Enoch. Enoch was the son of Jared. Jared was the son of Mahalalel. Mahalalel was the son of Kenan. Kenan was the son of Enosh. Enosh was the son of Seth. Seth was the son of Adam. Adam was the son of God. Luke chapter 4 Jesus was full of the Holy Spirit when he returned from the Jordan River. Then he was led by the Holy Spirit to a desert. He was tempted by the devil for forty days and ate nothing during that time. After that he was hungry. The devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, tell this stone to be made into bread. Jesus said to him, It is written, Man is not to live by bread alone. The devil took Jesus up on a high mountain. He had Jesus look at all the nations of the world at one time. The devil said to Jesus, I will give you all this power and greatness. It has been given to me. I can give it to anyone I want to. If you will worship me, all this will be yours. Jesus said to the devil, 
Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You must worship the Lord your God. You must obey him only. Then the devil took Jesus up to Jerusalem. He had Jesus stand on the highest part of the house of God. The devil said to Jesus, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here. For it is written, He has told his angels to care for you and to keep you. In their hands they will hold you up. Then your foot will not hit against a stone. Jesus said to the devil, It is written, You must not tempt the Lord your God. When the devil finished tempting Jesus in every way, he went away from Jesus for a while. Jesus went back to Galilee in the power of the Holy Spirit. People talked about him so much that he was well known through all the country. Jesus taught in their places of worship and was honored by all people. Jesus came to Nazareth where he had grown up. As he had done before, he went into the Jewish place of worship on the day of rest. Then he stood up to read. Someone handed him the book of the early preacher Isaiah. He opened it and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is on me. He has put his hand on me to preach the good news to poor people. He has sent me to heal those with a sad heart. He has sent me to tell those who are being held that they can go free. He has sent me to make the blind to see and to free those who are held because of trouble. He sent me to tell of the time when men can receive favor from the Lord. Jesus closed the book, then he gave it back to the leader and sat down. All those in the Jewish place of worship kept their eyes on him. Then he began to say to them, The holy writings you have just heard have been completed today. They all spoke well of Jesus and agreed with the words he spoke. They said, Is not this the son of Joseph? He said to them, I wonder if you will tell this old saying to me, Doctor, heal yourself. What you did in the city of Capernaum, do in your own country. He said, A man who speaks for God is not respected in his own country. It is true that there were many women whose husbands had died in the Jewish land when Elijah lived. For three and a half years there was no rain, and there was very little food in the land. Elijah was sent to none of them, but he was sent to a woman in the city of Zarephath in the land of Sidon. This woman's husband had died. There were many people in the Jewish land who had a bad skin disease when the early preacher Elisha lived. None of them was healed, but Naaman from the country of Syria was healed. All those in the Jewish place of worship were angry when they heard these words. They got up and took Jesus out of town to the top of a high hill. They wanted to throw him over the side. But Jesus got away from among them and went on his way. Jesus went down to Capernaum in Galilee. He taught them on the days of rest. The people were surprised and wondered about his teaching. His words had power. A man in the Jewish place of worship had a demon. He cried with a loud voice, What do you want of us, Jesus of Nazareth? I know who you are. You are the Holy One of God. Jesus spoke sharp words to the demon and said, Do not talk. Come out of him. When the demon had thrown the man down, he came out without hurting the man. The people were all surprised. They asked each other, What kind of word is this? He speaks to the demons with power, and they come out. The news about Jesus went through all the country. Jesus went away from the Jewish place of worship and went into Simon's house. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed, very sick. They asked Jesus to help her. He stood by her and told the disease to leave. It went from her. At once she got up and cared for them. 
As the sun went down, the people took all that were sick with many kinds of diseases to Jesus. He put his hands on all of them, and they were healed. Also demons came out of many people. The demons cried out and said, You are Christ, the Son of God. Jesus spoke strong words to them and would not let them speak. They knew he was the Christ. In the morning he went out to a desert. The people looked for him. When they found him, they were trying to keep him from going away from them. He said to them, I must preach about the holy nation of God in other cities also. This is why I was sent. And he kept on preaching in the Jewish places of worship in Galilee. Well, in chapter 4 today, Jesus gave us the perfect plan for when you're being tempted. Remember this, beloved. Jesus was fully human as well as fully God. He was a real man. So the temptations that Satan put before him were real. These were not theoretical. Jesus had flesh. And notice the very first temptation Satan put in front of him. Jesus had been in the desert for 40 days and he had not eaten. And he was hungry. The very first thing the enemy tempted him with was to turn the stones there in the desert into bread. Satan knew that Jesus was a man, so he went after the needs of his flesh. Some people can't say no to their flesh. I don't think I need to say that the temptations of the flesh are more than just food, do I? The desires of the flesh are some of our most basic urges. Animals are almost completely controlled by this, but humans have the ability to exert control over those urges. And God's Word is full of exhortations to do just that. And we know that when we have the Holy Spirit in us, as all Christians do, we can say no to the flesh. Satan's next temptation for Jesus was what some people have called the lust of the eyes. I think of it more as the lust for power. Satan showed Jesus all the nations of the world at one time, and he said he could have power and glory over them if he would just worship Satan. This is hard for me to relate to, but some people have a ravenous desire for power. I think we've seen a lot of that since the pandemic began, haven't we? Politicians and bureaucrats around the world have taken a level of control that no one would have believed possible before COVID hit, and now they seem to be just drunk with power. They keep taking more and more of our freedoms away and grasping more and more power for themselves. And then the third temptation that Satan brought was to force God to do a miracle to save Jesus. Or one might say Satan tempted Jesus to twist Scripture. Some people crave signs and wonders. They'll follow anyone who claims to have a supernatural power. And some people do twist Scripture for their own gain, don't they? The Antichrist will seem to have supernatural powers, and many will be fooled. So these were the temptations. What did Jesus do in order to overcome each one? He correctly applied and quoted Scripture. Yes, Satan quoted Scripture to Jesus, but he twisted it and he misapplied it. Jesus didn't twist it. He correctly applied it. Beloved, this is why it's so important to know and memorize God's Word. If you listen to this podcast every day, if it's your aim to go with me all the way through the Bible, that's a great start. But unless you have a photographic memory, going through the Bible just once will not be enough. I pray that you'll develop a lifelong habit of reading through the Bible. I've got a Bible that my great-grandmother had. There are notes in her Bible that show that she read the Bible through three times, but I've got to think that this was not her only Bible. I'd be shocked if she hadn't read the Bible through many, many more times in her lifetime. 
She passed away before I was really a Bible student, so I won't know for sure until I see her again in heaven, but I'm sure she read through the Bible many times. And I myself have recorded the entire Bible multiple times, and you know what? Even now, I'll read passages that seem completely new to me. I don't have the best memory, so it's incredibly important for me to keep reading. God gave us His Word so that we would learn it so well that it becomes a part of us. Ephesians 6, 10-18 tells us, Finally, be strong in the Lord and in His mighty power. Put on the full armor of God so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Therefore, put on the full armor of God, so that when the day of evil comes, you may be able to stand your ground, and after you've done everything, to stand. Stand firm, then, with a belt of truth buckled around your waist, with the breastplate of righteousness in place, and with your feet fitted with a readiness that comes from the gospel of peace. In addition to all this, take up the shield of faith with which you can extinguish all the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. Notice, beloved, that all but one of the items spoken of here as the full armor of God are defensive of nature. You had the belt, the breastplate, the covering for the feet, the shield, and the helmet. The only offensive item, the only weapon spoken of, is the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A warrior's primary method to overcome the enemy is with his weapon. The weapon in this passage from Ephesians is, like I said, the sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. A warrior has to learn how to use his weapon if he wants to be victorious, doesn't he? And if he doesn't train with it, not only will he not be able to use it effectively, but the enemy can actually use it against him, as Satan tried to do with Jesus. Beloved, we are in a spiritual battle, more so now, I think, than in any time in my lifetime at least. Spiritual battles are not fought with physical might. They're primarily fought on our knees, in prayer, wielding the sword of the Spirit. This humble little podcast is one way to prepare you for the fight, and I'm really very honored to be just a very small part of that process. And I thank you for allowing me to be in your life in this way, but it's up to you. You've got to learn, beloved, how to handle the word for yourself. Let me know what you think. Leave a comment at lifespringmedia.com slash s12e138. Our reading tomorrow is 2 Corinthians 9 and 10. Boost! On this date in church history, January 15th, 1535. The Act of Supremacy was passed, in which King Henry VIII declared himself protector and only supreme head of the church and clergy of England. (laughs) Talk about somebody being drunk with power. Henry had broken with the Roman Catholic Church, and Clement VII voided the annulment of his marriage to Catherine of Aragon and excommunicated him, so he decided he was going to become the head of the church in England. And on this date in church history, January 15th, 1832, Susanna Thompson Spurgeon was born. She became the wife of Charles Spurgeon, and she began a ministry enabling the students of Spurgeon's Pastors College to buy their needed textbooks.
Mrs. Charles Spurgeon was born on this date in 1832. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, we again thank you for your word and for showing us how to resist the enemy. We know that he's already been defeated, but we ask you to help us wield the sword of the Spirit effectively. I pray, Lord, for the LifeSpring family. Bless them today, and thank you for creating this group of brothers and sisters. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Send in your prayer requests and praises at prayer.lifespringmedia.com. You can email me at steve at lifespringmedia.com. And if you'd like to help support the show, which is badly needed, please go to lifespringmedia.com slash support. Until tomorrow, may God bless you richly. Thank you for being here today. My name is Steve Webb. Bye. Bye.